One of the last people I worked for before starting in real estate full time, I worked for Oprah Winfrey. I was her private flight attendant. And those years were so defining for me to see someone up close, how they do what they do to be so successful, really opened my eyes to my own potential. And I always had a feeling growing up that there was a limit or a lid on my potential. Because in Germany growing up, if you're not from a wealthy family, you're very likely not going to achieve wealth in your life. It's passed on from generation. It's very limiting. So working for these individuals really opened up my eyes to what I could achieve. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Broadcasting from Ojai, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, real results, and real satisfaction, not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive. Before embarking on a full-time real estate career, Karina Christensen was part of the personal flight team for American business guru Jack Welch and media proprietor Oprah Winfrey. Having the opportunity to travel with them for many years around the world, cultivating within herself what it takes to partner with high-profile clientele successfully. As a specialist, now working with Keller Williams Luxury Homes International, she and her team specialize in luxury condominiums in Denver, Colorado. Having lived in Munich, London, Singapore, and Montana, Karina lived the sage wisdom, you are the company you keep, and built her career by nurturing coveted relationships. Attracted to this education and its influential ecology of peers, Karina learned that relationship is only one of many tools and unlocked the ceiling on her income and satisfaction. After the break, we'll hear more about the importance of minding the company you keep. In a recent program webinar, Vice President Drew Knowles and I spoke about the Influence Ecology Conferences and the value of placing yourself in a powerful environment to connect, study, and practice. Here's the interview. Well, welcome to the Influence Ecology podcast. Thank you, John. Really excited to be here, and thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. So let's just take a second and tell us who you are, where you live, what we should know about your career. I'm Karina Christensen. I am the team lead and the owner of the Denver Lux team here in downtown Denver, Colorado. We specialize in luxury properties and specifically in marketing and selling condos downtown. And I have a team of five powerful women that work with me. I live in downtown Denver myself with my fiance, Ron. That's right. New fiance. That's, that's exactly right. Since you just said that, we have to address this. So you guys just got engaged in a particularly special place and a special way. Can you tell us about that real briefly? Yes, we were on a once-in-a-lifetime trip in South Africa. We went with a group of friends here from Denver and got to go on this phenomenal safari 
private lodge with private jets taking us there. And it was truly the event trip of a lifetime. I had no idea you could see animals that close up. And every morning and every night, we would go on these game rides. And you're out in the middle of nowhere, and there's leopards next to the truck. And just the most amazing sights we've ever seen. And during this trip, Ron and I had decided we were going to buy a diamond ring and get engaged because we're in South Africa and there's a great opportunity to buy diamonds. Unfortunately, when we got to South Africa, the diamond exchange that we wanted to go to had been robbed two weeks before. So we didn't buy a diamond. And so I thought, okay, well, we'll wait until when we get back to the States. Well, little did I know that Ron had planned an amazing occasion for him to propose to me. And one of these romantic dinners that we had in front of 40 people, some of them we had never met before. <laughs> And he got up and proposed in the most eloquent way and had the whole room in tears, clearly me as well. So it was a really special moment. Well, good for you. Ron is also participating here at Influence Ecology. How long ago did you guys meet? Six years ago in February. Very good. All right. So your offer in the marketplace is for luxury condos? Yeah, we specialize in the luxury market and really specifically in condos. Yes, luxury condos is our sweet spot. Downtown Denver, Colorado is one of the most amazing places to live. I have been there many times. It's gorgeous. Love all the restaurants all around downtown. It's It must be an amazing place to live. Do you get to enjoy all of that? Yes, we do. We actually live downtown. Ron takes a bicycle to work, and we are within walking distance of about 40 of the best restaurants here in Denver. We rarely take a car, mm. and it's just phenomenal. It is. It's a very rich and diverse community and an environment to be living in. Let's get on to your story just a little bit here. The first thing I didn't know about you, I didn't know you were in Germany until 20 years old. Tell us about that story. I was actually born to German parents. I'm actually German by birth. They happened to be in New York for six months and I happened to be born in New York and so got a US passport. Lucky me, I did not know it was such a special thing to have. But when I was two months old, I was shipped back to Germany, grew up in Germany and lived there until I was 15. And my family at that point moved to Singapore for five years, where I went to an international school. Wow. And my father was, yeah, my father was in charge of the whole Southeast Asian region for his company. And so we all moved and I got to attend a, an international school. Of course, at that point, I didn't speak any English. <laughs> I had to learn French via English, which I didn't speak. It was a, it was a challenge for a 15-year-old. It was sort of a sink or swim environment, and I was very challenged that first year. But then once I got used to this environment and saw how diverse it was, and I ended up being so much more successful in that environment than I ever was in Germany. At 19, my family moved back to Germany. I moved back to Germany, and I realized that I no longer fit into the paradigm of Germany that I grew up in. I felt very much out of place. I had seen the world and I was very frustrated. I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew was I needed to get out. My mother was very foresightful. She bought me a one-way ticket to the States. Her sister was living there at the time in Little Rock, Arkansas, and said, why don't you go and check it out? You've got a US passport. Why don't you go see what it's like and stay the summer? And then if you want to come back, get yourself an airline ticket back. Well, I came over exactly on my 20th birthday, landed in Little Rock, Arkansas, and thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much freedom. The weather was fantastic. The opportunities were amazing. And right off the bat, I felt like this is where I should have been my whole life. I felt like I had come home. Mm. The way I am as my personality and the way I grew up felt like it fit into that society and that community. 
I know Little Rock, Arkansas is southern, <laughs> but it was a perfect place for me to land. It was really great opportunity. That's great. Yeah. And uh, my uncle at the time had opened a brand new luxury hotel in Little Rock called the Capitol Hotel. He was a general manager. He got me a job at the front desk, basically trained me throughout through about the next couple of years to become a specialist in the hotel and restaurant management business. So I got a great two-year education on how to be in a hotel, how to serve all roles uh, from front desk to catering to management. And then I had an opportunity to move to New York. I had a friend who got a job in New York, had an apartment, and she said, why don't you come and see me in New York? And I thought, you know, I was born there. I should check it out. Why not go to New York? <laughs> so I picked up my car, drove to New York, and got a job at Tavern on the Green as a uh, nice server. Yep. And worked there for about a year. Loved it. Checked out where I was born and really loved the excitement of being a big, in a big city. I'm glad my mom didn't know what I was up to. <laughs> I was at 21 years old. <laughs> but it was such a great experience. And while working there, that same friend had gotten a job as a private flight attendant for Jack Welsh at GE. And she was getting ready to retire because to, she was getting married. And she said, do you want that job? And I said, well, I'm afraid of flying, but I'll check it out. I interviewed for the job, got the job, and ended up working for Jack Welsh for four years as his personal flight attendant. Wow despite my white knuckleness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did you ever get over your fear of flying? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm still a white knuckle flyer. Yeah. I flew for over 12 years on private jets. That never went away. But being in the cockpit and having control over your environment made all the difference. I'm fine when I can see what's going on and what those pilots are doing. Put me in the back and I'm as nervous as a Nelly. <laughs> oh, that's great to know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just got to ask you then, are you sworn to secrecy about what you saw there on the private plane with Jack Welsh? Well, you know, I wish at the time I was a little smarter and had used some of the information to my financial gain. We heard it all, right? Phenomenal experience working for him and at, at the height of his career. That was in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. He was the Neutron Jack, right? And we were in the middle of all of that. It was really fascinating. And after leaving there, I ended up working for a lot of other very famous people, successful individuals, and have done that on and off for the last 15 years, working on and off on those jets. So that has been really inspiring to me, getting to work so close with those successful individuals. Well, now let's talk about this for a second, because Influence Ecology, the name is about the environments and the ecologies that influence us and has a lot to do with surrounding yourself with people and individuals and organizations and environments where you may aspire to have some of that social ecology rub off on you. What do you think that you learned or how do you think those environments impacted you? That's a really great question. And all I can think of, I wish I had had this education 25 years ago when I was <laughs> in that environment so I could have leveraged it. And I am getting how important that is to be in this environment. For me, one of the last people I worked for before starting in real estate full time, I worked for Oprah Winfrey. I was her private flight attendant. And those years were so defining for me to see someone up close, how they do what they do to be so successful, really opened my eyes to my own potential. And I always had a feeling growing up that there was a limit or a lid on my potential. Because in Germany growing up, if you're not from a wealthy family, 
you're very likely not going to achieve wealth in your life. It's passed on from generation. At four years old, you have to decide what you want to be when you grow up. And it's very limiting. So working for these individuals really opened up my eyes to what I could achieve. And when I started this program with you, that was the biggest aha moment for me was that, oh my God, I've been on all these very rich ecologies, but I've never really leveraged them. I never took advantage of them. I learned something, but there was so much opportunity to leverage that, that I didn't know how to, that I wish I could put the clock back a little bit. Well, there's also if I step into a room of people who start to think a particular way or they act a particular ways, it will impact me in some ways. Do you think that it impacted your tastes or your aesthetics or your dreams or things like that? Absolutely. Not only that, it inspired how I traveled, what I read. Every time Oprah would leave a book on the table, I would pick it up and see what she's reading. This idea that we are the average of the five people we surround ourselves with, that has been important for me my whole life. I just never really understood what a difference that would make. So the conversations you're having are changing. The people that you're talking to or meeting are changing. Even the people that we came across or I got to meet completely changed the way I looked at the world and also the way I filtered it, right? It became bigger and much more diverse and the opportunities look brighter because I could see them. If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. When did you and Influence Ecology crash into one another and how'd that come to be? I was sitting on a sofa in our little cabin in the mountains a year and a half ago. And Ron and I had done a lot of previous work with some other self-help and growth companies and taken courses. And we were always very growth oriented and we hadn't done anything in about three years. And I got the itch. I was ready for something new. I've reached my plateau. I needed, I needed some more inspiration. Was on Facebook and saw a post of Kristen Muller, who is a friend of mine, posting something about influence ecology. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I've always appreciated what Kristen does. She's very committed to personal growth and is a smart lady. And I thought, well, if she's doing this, sounds pretty interesting. So I scrolled through the website, read every one of their reviews and realized that this was my next step. This is what I wanted to do. I called and I said, what do I need to do to get on? (laughs) 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 let me be a part of this this is what i want great and you and ron now have been participating for how long about a year and a half we started april april a year ago exactly okay and how has this education impacted you and your work career and money the biggest aha moment i had during fundamentals of transaction which is the introductory program 
was that I had relied my whole life on the one thing that I knew I could do, which is connect with people. People like me. I am non-threatening. I happily engage with people. And that is one of the weapons of influence, which is liking. And that is the one weapon that I used. I didn't know it was a weapon, but it's the only skill that I felt I could always fall back on. That's how I got my jobs. This is how I saw opportunities. About six months into that course, it was like, oh, no wonder you keep bumping up against the ceiling of mostly for me it was financial lately because I just couldn't see myself getting past it. And I realized that I was walking a very small footprint of a skill set and that if I wanted to break through that, I would have to reach out and create a value in the marketplace that was beyond people just liking me. Mm. People that like me still didn't choose me as their agent, right? So what was wrong with that? Don't I know I'm the best agent out there? I know so much. And I mean, they should know that, right? Because I'm great and I get along well. And so I really, <laughs> I was so naive when I came to that. You relied on that one tool, that one skill, liking and relationship. You sounds like you may have known about the others or known about other tools or skills, but just thought that one tool would do the job in all situations. Is that right? Yes, because really the other tools would impinge on my freedom. And being a performer personality, the last thing I want is somebody impinging on my freedom, telling me what to do, how to do it, when to do it. So I didn't want to do those. So you started the program. You saw that the one tool that you had was relationship or liking. You started to use other tools. You started to learn other things. And at some point, I, I think you have to tell me if I'm wrong. Did you start to specialize in luxury real estate? In this program, were you a general realtor at the time or, or what happened there? No, I was already specializing and focusing on the luxury market. However, during the program, I realized where my really sweet spot was, was condominiums. And people had already called me the Denver condo queen for years. <laughs> yeah, and I just never owned it. 80% of our business is condominiums. I've actually developed a building, a condominium building. I own several condominiums. I've been on boards of condominiums and I live in them. And really realize that the people that buy condominiums are my peeps. I get them. They love the urban lifestyle. They happen to be a little bit more affluent because condos are a little bit more expensive downtown. And I have an immediate connection with them and I can provide value to them. So what I started doing in FOT was to start really focusing on that condominium aspect. I created a website, denvercondoqueen.com. I started really researching. Oh, you did. That's good. I did. Started researching all the latest condo projects in town so that I always knew what was going on. I'm meeting with local developers to see what the trends are and really becoming the source for people interested in selling or buying condos in downtown Denver. Well, I'm going to ask you then, as a performer, one of the things that we teach is that the dominant need for happiness for a performer is freedom. So then did you feel boxed in by specializing or focusing on being the condo queen of Denver? Funny you should ask. Was that something you battled that, with? Yeah, funny you should ask that question. <laughs> I still struggle with that. The reason I got into real estate was because it was so diverse, right? One day I can list a house on the mountains and one day I list a condo downtown and it's very hard for me to focus on that one niche. But I realized that... It doesn't mean that I don't get to do other things, but people see me as a specialist and as a very highly effective real estate agent, and they would use me even if it wasn't a condo. But the condos are what put me on the map and made people realize that I have specialized knowledge and I'm really good at what I do. 
Is there anything else that you dealt with personally about specializing like that? Yes, there is something about when I moved to Denver five years ago to be with Ron, I had to start over. I was a successful agent in Montana. I had been there for six years. I did 40 to 50 transactions by myself. I never advertised. I had to come to Denver and start over and had to start over as a normal real estate agent. And what I decided to do was to specialize in luxury because it was a very competitive market, but most agents did not have the kind of money to spend on marketing those properties. So there were maybe four or five agents that I was competing with. And I really love the luxury market. I love luxury homes. I love whether they are downtown or a little bit outside Denver. And there aren't that many luxury properties that you could say I can specialize in luxury downtown. So niching it down to the condo market was really hard for me because I felt like I'm missing out on something. And I have a serious case of FOMO, which is that fear of missing out. <laughs> and I thought I was going to miss something by focusing on the condos. I thought my luxury buyers would think that I no longer focus on luxury. And so we changed our narrative to say luxury condos, which is even more of a niche. But then that really helped me yes. be satisfied with that. Because that is my market, and I can own that. Very good. All right, and then let's turn our attention to how has what you've learned here at Influence Ecology impacted your relationship with your now fiancé? Where do I start? This education <laughs> <laughs> that I can say in public. No, but really, this education is so beyond anything Ron and I have done in our past. And what was missing before was this integration of looking at all conditions of life, which infant psychology does so well. Most, Some of them look at relationships only. Some of them look at money only. I work for a company that does an amazing job in coaching and training our agents. But the focus is always on how many deals can you make? How much money can you make? And there's very little focus on the other aspects of your life, such as your health, your sociality, your legacy, any of those parts that are important to have, any of those conditions of life that are important to have a full, fulfilling life. So when Ron and I started this, it was such an eye-opener for us to sit down and write our aims for all these different conditions of life. And we realized through that, we had this goal of being able to retire Ron in three years from his job, and we had no idea how to actually get there. And what, how would that affect the rest of the conditions of life for us? So in FOT, we started, that was became our one of our focuses, look, and how would that affect our lifestyle? What do we need to do? Where would where do we need to be living? What kind of health do we want to be in? How does this look like on a daily basis? And it started these conversations at such a deep level and at such detail that we could create a plan for that. And our friends are looking at us going, how are you doing this in three years? I'm like, well, because we're really focused on it. And now we have a plan to get there, which we didn't have before. So I think that is the biggest change for us is that we have a framework now how to create our future life day by day, year by year, decade by decade. Well said. Is there anything else that we should know about your journey through the last 18 months here? Is there anything that you think would be useful for people when they listen to this to walk away and said, wow, I'm glad I listened because I learned this? I think the biggest impact that I've learned from influence ecology that has really impacted my life was this idea of creating your identity. As I mentioned before, I based my whole life on people liking me, but I had no idea that I had any control over how they viewed me. I thought I am who I am. This is who I am. 
But this idea of creating a powerful identity in the marketplace shifted how I am acting every day, what I do in my business. We've joined Toastmasters to learn how to speak in public because I would always get so nervous and rattled. And now I'm starting to teach classes so that I can get my identity more powerfully into the marketplace. And that one thing, I think if you understand how powerful that is and how much input you have in creating that, that alone can change your life. Great. Soapbox? <laughs> my soapbox is about the current in the real estate industry. My friends know this about me. I bellyache about it. But for instance, in Denver, there are over 18,000 real estate agents. Anybody with $250 on a license can be a real estate agent. We have less requirements than a hairdresser. And yet these agents handle usually the single most biggest financial investment of their clients, yet they have no experience or very little experience. So my soapbox is that just as you would a stockbroker, you wouldn't pick a stockbroker that only picks stock once a year or looks into the market once a year. Why would you change? Why would you hire a real estate agent that does one or two deals a year, takes eight classes of education a year, and then hands you, then, then you hand them your biggest investment to sell or market? And I feel that there is some regulation required, not only locally, but nationwide, where we fall more in line with wealth managers where they're having to take a lot more training and also be a fiduciary for our clients. And all I can say about that is do your homework, do your due diligence, and look for people that have your best interest at heart and also have the specialized knowledge to do that well. Great. All right. Good. I took German in high school, and I've been trying to think if I could say anything to you that would make any <laughs> sense at all. My sister and I, we took German. My brother took German. So we don't speak anything that I would consider accurate we speak what we call pig deutsch where if you're familiar with pig latin it's where you just completely <laughs> make up english or latin sounding words so our pig deutsch is, is terrible but if i may in pig deutsch say kannst du auf deutsch gesagt anything about influence ecology <laughs> <laughs> natürlich gerne influence ecology is ein fantastisches program und ich kann es sehr empfehlen Melden Sie sich heute noch an. Dankeschön. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so very, very much. And good day to you. Thank you, John. Thanks for the opportunity. And thanks for bringing Influence Ecology into the world. We, I wouldn't have the life I have without it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We're now going to hear more about the importance of minding the company you keep. As I said, in a recent program webinar, Vice President Drew Nold and I spoke about the Influence Ecology Conferences and the value of placing yourself in a powerful and consequential environment to connect, study, and practice. Here's the webinar. What is your aim as the CEO and co-founder of Influence Ecology? What is your aim with having these conferences? Because we offer a business education, it's done mostly virtually, and it's pretty great when people just do out mm -hmm. virtual programs. Why do you have conferences? FaceTime. FaceTime. There's so many people that do our conferences and talk about the value of the content because the content itself is fantastic. The content is not just what we teach in our focus lectures and fundamentals and map and map two programs. But the content of each conference is quite unique. So we do a lot of work to introduce new content to you throughout the conferences. And about five or six years ago, coming to a conference was about the content, but it's not about the content alone. 
anymore. The reason that people come to conference is because they get FaceTime with the ecology. And I was just hosting a podcast interview today with Valerie and Lee J. Howard, and they were talking about how just incredible the conference was. And they they said there's nothing like being together with a group of people for several days to be profoundly impacted by being together with a bunch of people for a few days. The, the people that are here at our conferences, they're ambitious. They're resources to one another. They have all kinds of networks and connections and resources available. They're mentors and valued trustees to other people and so forth. So when you come to a conference, you get to spend time with, meet and mingle with all those people. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy that when I go to a conference, I'm one of those wallflowers. I'm a wallflower kind of guy. Us inventors, by the way, we're kind of an introvert sort of guy. We're a little quiet. We're a little on the edges watching. We're not the party people with the lampshade on our head. (laughs) We're quiet. And it intimidates me to come to a conference with a bunch of people like that. But the beauty of coming to one of our conferences, and again, Howard and uh, Valerie and Lee J talked about this today in the podcast. They said the people that come to the conference, I think they said something like this. It was a little bit, quote, I don't know where you come up with these people or thank goodness for the kind of people that you attract to influence ecology because these are some of the loveliest, kindest, warm-hearted, helpful people I have ever met. So mostly when I go to a conference, I get to go be with my friends, with the people I love, with the people that are there to help me, I'm there to help them. And together for two days or five days, whichever kind of conference you're at, I just get surrounded with a bunch of really valuable help to make my dreams come true. As we said at the last conference, it started to be true. Dreams come true in groups and people started to really get that, the opportunity of being together. So that's one thing. Great. I'll let you ask some other questions because I could just yeah. keep talking. Yeah, so I want to come to the environment that you, you think up and create. But I, just on the point you're making about who's there, for somebody who's in the Fundamental Transaction Program, who's in a study group, they're starting to connect with some great people and maybe beginning to get introduced to some of the other people who are in our ecology that mentor, what's the difference between kind of what you get access to in the program compared to the kind of people you get access to at a conference? Like what, what's, right. the, what's the difference there? Absolutely. Well, in the Fundamentals of Transaction Program, you only get access to the people in your class. When you go to the conferences, you get access to everybody in the ecology. So there'll be 100, 120 people there, something like that, from all the countries, all the cultures, all the industries, all the occupations. A good third of the people that'll be there will be our most advanced people, the people in the MAP2 group. These are the people that did the FOT, did the MAP program, are currently in the MAP2 program, and they're our most advanced participants. They've been there. They've done it. They've gone through all of the lessons. They've gone through all of the things to confront their own naivete, their own conceit. They've built enterprises. They've built transactions. They've tested them. They're working. And so the MAP2 people are, at the last conference, we started to call them our elder council. They're the the council of elders, the people who have the kind of wisdom you want to get connected to. So that's one thing. And then the general group of people that are there, again, you, you are going to meet people 
and connect with people in other countries and other cultures and occupations and so forth. And to learn from all of those people is, it's just, it, it is unparalleled. Right. And so then, John, tell me a little bit about what you go through to think up the kind of environment. And, and I'll ask you kind of start from, like, if I look at this picture for, for Carbos, there's that environment and maybe then talk us through all the way through to the people sitting in their chairs and sure. like, what do you go through and conceiving and thinking that up? All right. So our flagship event, the annual member conference is typically held at a very, very high level resort. So this would be a five diamond, five star resort. Typically we want to, first of all, put you in that kind of resort because it's extremely uncommon. You can go to a hotel, you can go to a mid-level hotel, and then you can go to the highest of the high-end hotels. By the way, we have amazing room discounts at a place where normally it might cost 500 bucks or 700 bucks for a room night. Then you get it for 225 or something. So we go to these amazing resorts in beautiful locations because I want everybody to go be in a place that agitates and excites their biology. You are an organism in an environment, and when you go to a place that's a five-diamond place, it gets on you. It impacts you. It influences you. It alters you. And so that's the first thing you should know about why we select certain resorts for our flagship event. We've been working with John Severson. John Severson travels the world. It is his job to travel the world and find these resorts and locations. And so he's continued to work for us, uh, for all the people that went to the Tucson event, the Ritz-Carlton Dove Mountain was extraordinary, extraordinary. So we've selected this thing. So that's the first thing I wanna say. The second thing I wanna say, Drew, is I don't know what it was like for you, but when I was in college or I was in school and I had to take a test, I would learn how to take the test and I often felt like I was getting away with something. I either memorized something or remembered something or I learned how to answer a question in a particular way. So when somebody designs a curriculum, one of the best things about the design of that curriculum is to make the learning inescapable. See, I might not learn in the kinds of tests I took when I was in college, I might remember, I might get good at memorization or I might get good at test taking, for example. That's not necessarily true for everybody. But when a curriculum or when a situation makes the learning inescapable, when I'm in an environment that makes it impossible for me not to get what is there to learn, then that's the kind of environment an ambitious adult wants to be in because it's rigorous. It's, again, inescapable not to leave there altered. So we designed the conference location and the environment of conference and the content of conference so that what you get and what you learn is inescapable by every single person in the room. In our next episode, we'll hear from the founder of Unlock Legal. Miranda McCroskey is on a mission to negotiate for professionals and unlock their licenses. Sometimes I tell my clients after we go through it, I say, you could do this yourself. This is how. This is what it would look like. But you could also tile your own bathroom. But why would you? <laughs> <You're>, you <know? laughs> and I, got, I got the value.
that I offer as a specialist, and I got like, they're just silly not to hire me to do this. I've got the connections, I've got the know-how, I've got the years of experience. Do they want to reinvent the wheel on this important thing called their livelihood? So when I got my own value as, a, as having a specialized offer, then I saw the value in all those other specialists too. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share it with others. You can share it from our website at influenceecology.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or any place you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes, and let us know what you think. Thank you for another great episode of the Influence Ecology Podcast. I'm your host, John Patterson. I'd like to thank our guests for a great interview. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with them and all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. This podcast is made possible by the brilliant work of the Influence Ecology staff, mentors, and members around the world. We're grateful for co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and his 30-plus years of specialized study and practice that make all this possible. Episode producer, editor, and music supervisor is Jason Kelly. Podcast copy and show notes editing and links by Carol Gregory.